Good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor and it's so good to have you guys with us here today. Uh, happy summer, everybody. I was walking around outside today and it was like 70 degrees and it's mid-July and I was just thinking to myself, this is why I moved to the mountains right here. This is it. This is the weather. That's not the only reason, but it's a part of it. Let's be real. And so uh, we've been enjoying the summertime. Man, I just wanted to tell you guys about a couple things on the horizon that we are so excited about for summer. And so th this, uh, this Summer at the Gathering series that we're going to be doing uh, is actually going to be the next eight weeks. I think Robbie's just planning on missing two of those weeks, and so he was thinking it'd be six. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get better, all right? I promise. Um, the, the jokes will, will be right there with you in a minute. But anyways, uh, this eight-week series is coming up, and you know, this is really just an opportunity for us to share what's been on our hearts with you, to share things that I'm excited about with you. We're going to do some fun events during the Summer at the Gathering series. I think I heard about something called a Sunday Sunday. You just let your mind wander on that one. It's going to be a delicious Sunday morning. And, uh, and then on the other side of that, uh, on August 5th through August 26th, uh, we're going to be starting something brand new here at The Gathering that I'm so excited about. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to tell you. I know we're a month out, but um, we're going to be doing 21 days of prayer at The Gathering Church. And so this is going to be something we're going to be doing twice a year, once in August and once in January. And, uh, and it is very simply going to be a 21-day prayer initiative here at The Gathering Church. Here's what I've been learning, that before we do anything as a church and, and uh, in life, that we got to pray first. And so we want to make that a, a bigger part of our culture here at The Gathering Church. And so uh, for those 21 days on two Saturdays, uh, the first Saturday, so the fifth is a Sunday, so the following Saturday, and then the Saturday after that, we'll be doing prayer services that everyone will be invited to on Saturday morning. Uh, and then every single morning during that 21 days of prayer, I'll be going on Facebook Live and leading a prayer service uh, that we'll invite you to join us in. And so we're so excited about it. We feel like it's the best way to kick off the fall for us. The fall is kind of, uh, that, that's like the big season in the church world. That's when people are getting in life groups. New people are joining the dream team. New people are finding God, finding freedom, uh, discovering their purpose and make a difference, making differences. And so uh, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a preparation for us leading into fall as a church to get ready. And so we're so excited about that. We've got baptisms coming up in just two weeks. Uh, and so if you have um, been feeling like that's, that's your next step, and I'll talk a lot more about that in today's message, but uh, that, that's coming right around the corner. Baptism is, just a, is, is our way of celebrating with our family the change that Jesus is doing in our lives. And so exciting things happening this summer. I'll talk more about baptism in a little bit, but let me get into the message. So today we're in the last week of Something's Brewing. So each year uh, at the gathering in our long history, we're two and a half years old, um, we like to do around beer week here in Beer City in Asheville, a series where we look at the beer making process and draw biblical truth from it. We feel like this is Asheville, uh, you know, this is a huge part of our culture, so let's see as a church uh, what we can learn from it. And so we've been doing that for the last three weeks while studying the life of Joseph and so if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, open them up to Genesis chapter 41, uh, verses 37 through 40. 
And let, let's uh, let's kind of let's spoil the ending before we talk about anything else today. What I want to do is is show you where Joseph's potential, where this journey he's been on, takes him, and then we'll break down a little bit more of how. And so uh, let let's look at Genesis chapter forty-one, verse thirty-seven. It says the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, "Can we find anyone like this man?" one in whom is the Spirit of God. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. If you've been with us this whole series, we've seen Joseph go from a prominent son to a slave And the last time we we saw him, he was a slave in Potiphar's house. And now we see him rising to the prime minister position of Egypt. What an incredible journey. Today's message is about the Spirit of God. The one ingredient necessary for us to reach our potential. I've titled this message, Something's Missing. In our current series, we've been looking at this beer-making process and seeing what we can learn from it and, 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 and studying potential in it. We've talked about how the brewer has this ability to look at the four basic ingredients of beer, water, barley, hops, and yeast, and see the potential in those four ingredients. The brewer can identify the different characteristics in each one of these ingredients and, and knows the way that will affect the outcome and what the potential is For the brew, the brewer has the ability before he ever begins to look at these ingredients and imagine the greatness that could come from them. He knows that in making the brew, that the process determines the outcome. He never underestimates the importance of the process. Over the last few weeks, we talked about having the basic ingredients. We talked about milling the grain that oftentimes in life we're, we're crushed and parts of us are stripped away. We talked last week about the, the mashing and laudering of the sweet wort. And this week we're going to talk about the fermentation. So let's talk a little bit about the fermentation process. So you're going to school real quick. Get out your notebook and draw a sketch. Here we go. So at this point, the brewer has really been through it with his beer. He's crushed it. He shaped it and boiled it all with the end in mind. And now the work is done and it's time to wait. Once the wort's been cooled, it's moved to a fermenter, which is usually just a large stainless steel vat. And next, yeast is added, and that's when the real fun begins. From the moment the yeast is added, it gets to work doing science. It eats the sugars that were created during the mash. And as the yeast consumes the sugar, it expels carbon dioxide and alcohol, as well as a variety of flavor compounds that vary greatly depending on many variables, such as the strain of the yeast and fermentation temperature of the beer. Fermentation time can vary greatly from a few days for a simple ale to over a month for lagers. Here's something about this process that I found very interesting. Louis Pasteur discovered the enzyme yeast and its properties in 1841. For the thousands of years that they were brewing beer before that, they were doing it in large open containers where the yeast would occur naturally and ferment the beer naturally. 
And they didn't know why this was happening, only that it was happening. And in ancient Mesopotamia, the word that they used for that process and for the ingredient they believed was making the wort into beer is directly translated as God is good. They believed God was making this wort into beer. (laughs) This was a gift from God. They believed God was in the process. This morning, I want to talk about how God is in the process. Because we do all this development for ourselves. We work hard. We, we let ourselves be stripped away. We, we work hard in the development. We press in to learn things and to learn new things. And ultimately, we find that the finished product is out of our hands. The brewer does everything that he can in the process to get the outcome he desires. But it's the yeast that changes it from the wort into the beer. So have you been through the milling and crushing, and have you been changed? Had parts of you been stripped away? Have you been in the development for years, working on an education, an apprenticeship, sharpening your skills and chasing opportunities, only to find that after all of it, no matter where you've landed, you still feel a little bit unsatisfied? Maybe you felt like you were meant for something in this life, but no matter what successes you find, you're still missing something. There's still one more step in the process. One more thing that we need to develop. One more important piece to reaching the purpose you were created with. Maybe if that's you, you find yourself today in one of two places. Maybe you you feel like you should be happy, but you're not. Maybe, according to the world's standards, everybody outside looking at you should say, this person should be happy. But something inside you still feels missing. Maybe you had a goal for a long time, and you got to it, but it's missing something. Maybe it's in the context of the church, even. You, you joined the dream team, hoping that it would give you significance. You, you thought if you would join the dream team and, and make a difference for somebody else, that it would bring you the significance in in your purpose that we keep telling you about, except it's not connecting. It's not feeling complete. Maybe on the outside, your life looks like you should be satisfied. You've got the American dream, the house, the wife, 2.5 kids. You've got two brand new cars in the driveway, but something still feels missing. Maybe you've been developing yourself for a long time. You You've, you've known that if you were going to go where you want to go in life, it was going to require a lot of hard work. Maybe you, you know that if you want something good in life, you have to earn it. And so you've been working hard to earn it for a long time, developing yourself, growing, going through school and mentorship. Maybe you've been intentionally learning through every hard season, but you still can't help feel like something is missing, like there's a piece that you just don't have. It's like you sat down and you took all the time to complete the 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle only to discover the piece at the center wasn't in the box. There is no more frustrating feeling. Maybe you can relate to the words of King Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11. Solomon is recorded as one of the richest kings in history. In the world that he lived in, no one had more riches, no one had more territory than Israel and King Solomon. And yet, as he surveys all that he's done, 
All the success he has, he says, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Maybe that's where your heart is this morning. As you look around, you just feel, what was the point of all this? Or maybe you find yourself in a place where you are living your dream but you still feel like there's more. Maybe you, you had this dream in front of you forever and ever and ever, and you pushed in, and you worked hard, and maybe it took decades, and you reached that dream. You got to that place, but you're, now that you're there, you look around and you think, this can't be all that there is. Surely there's more. Maybe you can relate to my good friend Tom in this video. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings? And, and still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is, me, I thank God. It's gotta be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew, I wish I knew. I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. If you're not into football, that's Tom Brady. He's one of the most, he's actually the greatest quarterback in the history of the game of football. That is an, a, a widely accepted fact. If you don't believe it, you're in denial. Peyton Manning was great, not that great, okay? And so here's the thing. I know. Yeah, people love to hate that poor guy. You just saw him. He was about to cry up there. It's because everybody does, does that when he's on television. Tom Brady had three Super Bowl rings at this point in his career. He had millions of dollars. He had more than one house. He had everything that we believe the world tells us we need to work to get. He'd been working to get to this place since peewee football, pressing in, working hard, and now he's here and he says there's got to be something more than this. What do you think it is, Tom? I don't know. I don't know. I wish you could tell me. Can you tell me, 60 Minutes guy? Maybe it was that he hadn't met Giselle yet. I don't know. I think that there was another reason that Tom Brady, at this successful place in his career, felt like there was more in this life. Maybe you, you feel like you've, you've, you've pressed in on this dream and you've gotten to this place and now that you feel like there's still something missing, you're ready to just give up, throw in the towel and accept, like Solomon, that life is just meaningless. Let's look at the life of Joseph this morning. And look at his story and, and see what we can bring out of it. Now, now Joseph, is an, it, it, this is, what we've been studying is the ancient life, is the early life of an ancient ruler. Joseph is a young man who is destined to lead the most powerful nation in the world at the time. But it starts out with a pretty humble story. The guy, he's a prominent son of a, of a wealthy uh, farmer, but... He's beaten up by his brothers and sold into slavery at the age of 17. They didn't like that he was his father's favorite. And when we last left Joseph, he was sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was the chief security officer for Pharaoh, a high-ranking official in the Egyptian government. Now, Joseph knew that he was destined to be someone great. When he was 17, 
God gave him these dreams that told him that one day he would lead people, that he would have prominence and position and all of it. And that was what was in his head. That was what is in his heart of his dream. Joseph said, one day I'm going to be important and people are going to follow me. But he didn't understand the context of it. He didn't understand what it was supposed to look like. And so God took him through this long process to develop him, to get him where he was needing to be. And so now he's a slave, destined to rule people, but no more than a slave. And Joseph learned from this period of his life, this 11 years he would spend in slavery for Potiphar. It was during this time that he was developed into the man of God that he, that he needed to be. It was during this time that Joseph learned how to lean in to who the father was, even when it didn't feel like God was listening or God was there. It tells us that God blessed Joseph and he blessed all of Potiphar's things because of Joseph, because of the faithfulness that Joseph had, even in his season as a slave. And he was developed in this season. Potiphar put all of his household under the charge of his slave, Joseph. So Joseph learned management and leadership and how to direct people and how to care for people. He learned how to plan and strategize for the household of Potiphar. After 11 years of this, Joseph was almost ready to do what God had called him to do. He'd been very intentional. He had allowed his hardships to shape him. Instead of giving up when things got difficult, Joseph leaned in and he said, God, if I'm going to be in this season, I'm going to learn from it. He said, God, if I'm going to be in a place that I don't want to be in, I'm going to live to the height of my potential in it. Instead of being a slave and just saying, I'm throwing in the towel, Joseph said, I'm going to give this my best because that's how God made me and that's what I'm going to do. So he's developed in this season. And after 11 years, he's almost there. Much of what he didn't need, much of the parts of himself that needed to be stripped away were gone. But then things went a little bit sideways. Because after 11 years of faithful development and hard, thankless work, Joseph was wrongfully accused and thrown in prison. But again, just as when he was a slave, the Lord was with Joseph. So here's a couple of things that we can learn from Joseph as we study his story this morning. First, I want us to really learn today that a waiting season isn't a wasted season. You see, I think in life, we get in these seasons where we've done everything we can do. And it, and it feels like we've pressed in as hard as we can. And now all we're doing is waiting. What happens next is outside of our control. And so we're just waiting. And I think a lot of times we think that this waiting time that we have is a wasted time. That this waiting season is a wasted season. But it doesn't have to be a wasted season. I think we can grow and we can be developed even in the waiting season. Let's look at what Joseph did. So Joseph is thrown in jail. After, after all 11 years of hard work, Potiphar turns his back on him in a moment because of a wrongful accusation, and Joseph is thrown in jail. If anybody deserves to throw in the towel at this point, it's my man Joseph. But let's look what he does in Genesis chapter 39, verse 20 and 23. It says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. 
So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for everything that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything that he did. Now, I got to think, if there's ever a time when it's okay just to wait, when you don't have to be expected to do anything, when, when, you, could, when you can finally just say, you know what, things didn't work out, and I'm just going to sit right here in this. If there's ever a time where it's okay just to sit still and do nothing, it's got to be when you're in jail, right? I mean, if, if there's anywhere where your expectations for yourself can drop, let's just say it's jail. I mean, the only thing they reward there is good behavior, Okay. Not stabbing people is considered the height of achievement in jail. This is the best. And Joseph has been a slave for 11 years, thought this is going to be okay. You know, I'm doing all right as a slave. You know, I mean, I'm a slave, but hey, I'm a cool slave. And then that doesn't work out. And now he's in jail. I mean, if it's me, I'm just like, goodness gracious, this is not working out. I'm just throwing my hands up. I'm not going to try anymore. I'm just going to enjoy my time in jail. You know, this is like, it's jail time. At least I got yard time to look forward to later, you know. But Joseph doesn't do that. You see, Joseph says, wherever God places me, wherever I go, wherever I am, I'm going to give it everything I've got. Wherever I find myself, whatever situation I'm in, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to give it all the excellence that I can muster up. I'm going to do everything well because I follow God, and that's what he's called me and created me to do. Now, Joseph, mind you, is 11 years removed from the last time he went to church. Nobody worships the God of Abraham in Egypt. Joseph's been around people worshiping other gods for the last 11 years. Nobody's affirmed him. He's got nobody to say, hey, Joseph, did you read your your Bible plan today? You know, let me see your green check marks. How's it going? Joseph, have you been praying to the Lord lately? Nobody's asking him that. He could have given up on God. He could have given up on everything. But instead, in this season, Joseph leans in to who God's made him to be. He decides to develop who God's called him to be. And as a result of that, it says that God blessed him even in jail. Even in jail, Joseph was given responsibility. Even in jail, Joseph's given a position of leadership. And he doesn't let this season become a wasted season. Look at the language used. Twice it talks about the Lord being with Joseph. Because in this season, Joseph was in the Lord, and the Lord was in him. Even in prison, God gives him success. See, Joseph had spent all this time, the last 11 years, managing the affairs of another person, learning how to run this official's businesses, run his household, manage other people, lead other people, develop other people, learning leadership skills. But now that he's in prison, you would think, All that's finished. But Joseph's still given responsibility. And he's still given the opportunity to craft his ability to lead. It's less because he's in prison. He's not over a chief official's household anymore. He's over prisoners. But Joseph takes the responsibility just as seriously. And as a result, God is with him. And the spirit of the Lord was growing within Joseph. And Joseph must have spent 
some long nights and days in prayer, like real prayer, like honest prayer, the kind of prayers you pray from a jail cell prayers, the kind where you're mad, but you trust in God all at the same time, where you tell him what's on your heart, even, even when it hurts to do so. These are the kinds of prayers that draw you closer to the presence of God. And maybe sometimes we do this. We get in this season where there just doesn't feel like there's any hope, where there doesn't feel like there's anything for us, where we're wondering what can we learn in this season? What can we, what can we hold on to in this season? How, how are we supposed to receive the blessings that we feel were promised us on the other side of this season? And we start to really pray. Maybe for me, it was a season like that where I actually learned what prayer was. Because it was when I really started to talk to God like I was listening because I just needed him to be listening. And maybe you've been in a season like that and you've poured your heart out to God and said, God, I need the promise of purpose in this season. I need you to come through on the promise you gave me for the purpose that you created me with. The assignment that you said you made me to do, God, I need you to bring it to fruition right now because I feel wasted and empty and useless in this place. And God, I don't feel any hope in this place. And so God, I just need you to deliver me from this place. I need you to save me from this place. Please, God, if you're listening, give me just a little bit of hope for the promise of your purpose in my life. And that's where Joseph was. And I think a lot of times when we get to that place, we just want God to just answer it. Like to just answer it right now, to deliver us the next day. We wake up the next morning hoping for the right email or text message or voicemail or the person to show up or to be freed from this, this place that we feel trapped in. But, but then it doesn't happen. And we start to say, is God even listening? Is he there? Can he hear me? Why am I in this place in the first place? Why is this happening to me? Actually, God, if you're, if you're really there, why am I in prison when you promised I would lead? I thought maybe it was at Potiphar's house, but now I'm in jail. You want me to lead prisoners, God? What are you asking me to do? Deliver me from this moment with the promise of your purpose. But here's what I think Joseph knew or what I think he hoped and believed was that God exists outside of what we understand as time. He sees a big picture. We see a moment. God sees the movie. He see, we, we see the scene. And so I think when God hears us begging him for deliverance and for promise and for purpose and all of those things, and when he's asking for those things, I think God says, yes, I want to answer that prayer. And he drops that deliverance or he drops that promise right there on your timeline, right there in the right place. And all we've got to do to get to it is just kind of keep pressing forward. Just keep walking. Just keep moving forward. Just keep believing that he's listening, that he's there, that, he, that he's waiting for us, and we'll, we'll land on that promise. I think that's what Joseph did, but I think many of us, when we don't hear from God the way we wanted to hear from God, we stop where we are. And deliverance was right there, and we're just going to stay right here. And instead of actually leaning in on the promises that God's got for us, we just feel like he's abandoned us. But he was right there the entire time. Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph says, I'm in jail, but I'm going to lean on the Spirit of God. I'm going to let the Spirit of God increase within me. I'm going to let it grow within me. I'm going to let it lead me to where God 
wants me to be. I'm just going to, if I'm going to be in jail, I'm going to lead people in jail. God created me to lead. He created me to lead people. And so if I'm a slave, I'm going to lead slaves. If I'm a prisoner, I'm going to lead prisoners. Wherever God has me, I'm just going to do the thing that he made me to do. You see, while Joseph was in jail, he wasn't waiting, he was growing. And so what I would encourage you is when you find yourself in a season of waiting, where you just feel like, well, what's, what's supposed to happen here? How long is this going to take, God? I've done everything right. I've checked off every box. I, I'm, I'm leaning in. But where are you? Don't just wait. Allow yourself to grow. Let a, let a waiting season be a growing season. Don't let it be a wasted season. Ask yourself, what areas can I grow in right now? Joseph said, what areas can I grow in now? He knew he was a good leader. He knew he was good at management. I think Joseph said in this season, I want to grow closer in the spirit of God. And I'll show you why in just a moment here. The whole time Joseph was waiting, I believe the spirit was changing him and developing him and growing him. I believe in this season, Joseph was in his fermentation. Second thing that I think we can learn from him is a big one here. Connect your purpose with his spirit. Connect your purpose the potential you feel like you've got, the dream in your heart, the thing, if you've been here every week for the last three weeks and we keep talking about how God's growing this dream inside of you and you gotta develop it and you gotta work hard on it and you gotta be crushed and you gotta, you gotta push into it and all that, maybe there's been something on your heart this whole time. You've just been believing that God's got something for you and you're, you're excited about it, but maybe it's been a dream for you and about you. And I want you to know, if you want to live that dream, you're going to have to connect your purpose with His Spirit. You're going to have to connect the dream you have to the dream God's got for you. So God is developing these gifts that He placed in Joseph. He's given him more opportunities to increase his leadership and to increase his management. These natural gifts that Joseph have, leadership and management are natural gifts. And you either have them or you have to grow them if you're placed in a position of leadership. I believe Joseph's born with these gifts of leadership. We see that in his life over and over. And I think he's done a good job of developing them and growing them with Potiphar. But in prison, he decides to grow something else as well. Or God decides to develop something else in him as well. You see, Joseph's not just learning how to lead. He's learning how to develop the spiritual gifts that are inside of him. Specifically for Joseph, the gift of prophecy. I think his gift of prophecy was grown and increased and challenged and stretched in new ways in the time that he was in jail. Now, let me explain what I mean, because maybe it's your first time here today and I just brought up prophecy and you're like, oh, no, where's the exits? Please, somebody help me. Pastor, going pastor to let loose in a minute. No, listen. Joseph had this gift of prophecy. It's a real gift, it's a spiritual gift. Here's what it means. It's the ability to hear and receive a message from God and communicate it clearly to people who can listen. That's prophecy. Prophecy is to receive vision, a message from God and communicate it clearly to whoever will listen. Joseph has this as a 17-year-old boy. Joseph, as a 17-year-old boy, is given these dreams about what God wants to do in his life, literal dreams, visions about cornstalks bowing to other cornstalks. I would have that dream and think I should not have eaten wild wings last night because that did some weird things to me before bed. Joseph has that dream and says, this is God speaking. He's telling me that I'm going to be a leader one day. That's the gift of prophecy. And here he is 
12 years later, and he's got this same gift inside of him, and God's growing it and using it in new ways. So there's these two guys in jail with Joseph. I'm going to cover uh, a lot of Joseph's story quickly. And here's what I would encourage you. If you've been here the last three weeks and you're kind of riveted by what happens to Joseph, and I even had a guy come up to me last week. He's like, I can't wait for the end, man. What about his brothers? What happens with his brothers, man? These guys threw him in a hole. What happened to him? If you want to know, you're going to have to read Genesis chapter 42. I'm not even going to get into it today, okay? So go home, read Genesis chapter uh, 39, 40, 41, 42. You'll find out all about Joseph. But anyways, let me give you the cliff notes. So he's in jail. He's in jail for a year. And he gets these two guys thrown in there, a cupbearer and a baker. And they're having these dreams. And they're trying to figure out what they mean. And Joseph's like, I think the Spirit of God gave me the ability to know what they mean. Tell me what your dreams are. And they tell Joseph. And Joseph uses his gift of prophecy, grows the Spirit of God within him, develops the spiritual gift he has, and says, you're going to die, and you're going to be fine. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and the guy's like, huh, what? <laughs> the other guy's like, yay. And so, you know, the, 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 the baker is very sad because he was bad at cooking pastries, so he's getting beheaded. And the cupbearer is getting his job back, and he's very excited about that. And Joseph says, hey, cupbearer, since you're going to lake it, sorry about you again, very sorry, get your affairs in order, you're dead. And, and for you, just all I ask is that you remember me when you get out of jail. You're going to get out of jail any minute now. The, the guard's going to come and take you out of here. And I just ask that you remember me. Tell Pharaoh about me when you get out of there. Get me out of this situation I'm in. And the cupbearer says, yeah, 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 I'm willing to do that. And then like the very next verse is, and the cupbearer had forgotten Joseph. I'm like, how are you going to forget Joseph, man? Joseph was just in jail with you, told you you were going to make it, and you forgot Joseph? But two years later, two years, Joseph was in jail for three years. I don't know how long you've been waiting on the promise you feel like God placed in your life, but it has now been 14 years from the moment Joseph heard God say, I've got a dream for you. Let your waiting season not be a wasted season. You don't know how long it's going to last. And so two years later, Joseph's been in jail. He's been, he's been begging God for deliverance. He's been sharpening the spirit of God inside of him. He's been growing his spiritual gifts. He's been growing his natural gifts. He's learning how to lead and how to manage even prisoners. He's like, no yard time for you today. You are bad. Okay. And he's, he's learning all this stuff. And he's getting good. He's getting better at it. And it's been 14 years. When does a man give up? And the Pharaoh starts to have these dreams that upset him and that he's got questions about. And he has all these people coming. Nobody can tell him what the dreams mean. And one day, the cupbearer is standing there holding a cup, probably a gauntlet with gold and jewels on it. And he's like, hey, I know a guy. And he remembers Joseph. And he says, Joseph told me what would happen, and it happened. And so Pharaoh brings up Joseph out of prison, tells him his dream. And the Spirit of God is alive inside Joseph and says, this is what the dream means. But Joseph hasn't just been developing the Spirit of God. He's been developing his leadership skills and his ability to manage. And so when he tells Pharaoh what his dream means, his dream meant that there was seven years of good, of good harvest coming and then seven years of famine. Joseph also said, but I also think I've got a good plan for you to prepare for it. And he gave him a step-by-step -step process 
of what he should do to prepare for the season of famine that was coming. You see what's happening here. Joseph is using the gifts that he has, that God placed in him when he was born, his natural gifts. And he's using the gifts of the Spirit that came alongside of him when he entered into a relationship with God. Both of them together. And he's using them. And it's in this moment, as Joseph is speaking to Pharaoh, and he's using all his gifts at once, that Joseph discovers his purpose. Look at Genesis chapter 41 again, 37. It said, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. In other words, nobody can manage this plan that you have better than you can, Joseph. I just met you. You were in my jail, but I trust you because I can see the growth in you. So you shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people are to submit to your orders and only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I love that the most remarkable thing that Pharaoh had to comment on, Pharaoh, a polytheist, worshiping Ra and and Amenhotep, you know, and, and the mummy and all those things. looks at Joseph and says, in you is the spirit of God. And that's the quality that's attracting me to you right now. See, I believe the spirit of God is the yeast in your fermentation. It's the ingredient necessary for you to reach the potential of your purpose because your purpose isn't for you. See, maybe the problem is, the disconnect for you has been that all these years you've been pressing in towards a dream that was about you. A dream that you thought would bring you satisfaction, a material place that you thought would bring you satisfaction. Maybe it was a financial goal or you wanted to start a business or, or it was a, a relationship goal, you know, or, or whatever it was. And, and, but it was really, it was about you and the things that you thought would make you happy. But your purpose isn't about you. It's for God's glory. It's to glorify Him and serve others. And if your purpose that you think you have is for anything other than that, it will only leave you feeling empty and vacant and unfinished, like my man Tom Brady. It's going to leave you feeling like you've done all this work, and now what? What's next? This can't be all there is. I was speaking to somebody nearing retirement recently, and he just said, I'm ready to retire. I've got my finances in order, and it's right there around the corner, but I'm worried about What's going to happen next? Because this has been it. This has been my goal. My life has been about this. And now I'm stepping out of it. And what's next? What, what am I supposed to do in that season? How am I supposed to find significance and supposed to find purpose? See, the most important ingredient in the fermentation is the yeast. Without it, the beer never reaches its potential. And I believe without the Spirit of God, you'll never reach yours. Without a closeness, in your relationship with Jesus that is constantly growing, you will never find the happiness you are searching for. You will never find the peace that you're looking for. You'll never get to the place where you feel like you're finished. If you pursue a purpose that glorifies God, it doesn't matter if you're working or retired. Your purpose is to glorify God, and so you can do it there, and you can do it here. 
If you're working in a purpose to glorify God, it doesn't matter what worldly successes you have or don't have because if you're living in your purpose and it's glorifying Him and it's serving others, you're going to find the satisfaction that you've longed for your entire life. I'm telling you this because I want you to understand you have got to get your purpose aligned with the purpose of your creation. Now listen, I know not everybody in here follows Jesus and that's okay. This is a place to belong before you believe. But you're here in a church, which tells me at least that you're curious. That there's a reason that you came looking for community here, answering questions here. Here's what I believe. That from the moment of your creation, there was a question mark inside of you that only God could answer. That there was something, some longing that you've had that we all have for something spiritual in our lives. See, I think you were created, crafted, made by the same God that created the universe, the mountains, the trees, the oceans, all the animals. And out of all of creation, you're his favorite. You're the thing that he longs for more than anything else. You're the one that he desires more than all of the other things combined. And he loves us so much. We were so special to him that as he's creating us, he decides to place a part of himself in us. And so we're spiritual beings. Above all other created things, we have a spirit in us. What makes humans different? It's what gives us the ability to create because we have a little bit of our creator inside of us. But that spirit inside of you just desires and longs for relationship with the spirit of God, which will come inside of you as well when you enter into a relationship with him. The potential that you have can only be reached in its fullness when it's aligned with what he created you for, because it's a potential he created. It only makes sense that the creator of your potential would be a part of that potential. There's a passage in the New Testament in Ephesians that says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And this has kind of become one of our, our favorite Christian verses, you know, for just any of the time. Like you're doing a bathroom renovation and you go to tear up the tile and you're about to break your first tile, which you've never done before and you're real nervous. You're about to, but you're like, now I can do all things through Christ who, who gives me strength, you know. So to him who's able to do immeasurably more, here we go. And you start breaking tiles and things go horribly, you know. It's because we forget the other part of this verse. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. In other words, if you want to do the things that are great in this life that you feel destined to do, feel called to do, you're going to have to have a spirit working inside of you to glorify him because it says within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all the generations forever and ever. The credit and the glory aren't yours, they're his. And when we turn our focus and our attention towards Him and we gear our purpose towards Him and when our dreams glorify Him, it's there, it's in that place that you will find the, the significance and the peace and the happiness that you have longed for the entirety of your existence. I need you to know if you came in here today searching for the meaning of life that it is available to you. That if you're asking that question, what, what else is there? Why am I not feeling like I'm finished yet? Why am I feeling like there's more for me? I need you to know that there is more for you. And it's in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is crucial to discovering your purpose. You can't reach your full potential without Him because your purpose is to glorify Him. 
it would not have been enough for Joseph to rule Egypt apart from God. It just wouldn't have, if he could have, he could have, he could have felt like, you know, he felt like people were supposed to bow down to him one day. And he could have got to a place where people were bowing down to him. But without the Spirit of God, it would not have been enough. And you know I'm right, because we got a million songs about this. The, the, the Greatest Showman is a decidedly not Christian movie, and the entire message of that movie hangs on a song called Never Enough. I believe that all, there, there's probably about a million melancholy indie movies about somebody who should have all the successes in the world, and yet they don't feel happy. Except that at the ending of those movies, it's usually like a, a relationship that fulfills them. And I just got to let you know, it's a sidebar, but I got to let you know, like if you think that a relationship with another person, male or female, is what's going to satisfy you and fill you up and fulfill you, and you're relying on your spouse or your girlfriend to be, or your boyfriend to be the person that gives you significance, you're putting too much pressure on them and on the relationship, and that relationship will fail. See, a relationship only works when you're pursuing significance in God together, not in each other. Sidebar. Getting all the things you want in life, the job, the financial status, the house, the wife, the husband, the kids, all of it, will not satisfy you without a relationship with Jesus. In him and him alone is the key to our satisfaction. He's the most important ingredient to our fermentation. Since he created you, when you're glorifying him the way he created you to do, you will find ultimate satisfaction and joy because it's how he created you. It's your purpose. Do it the way only you can alongside the only one who can complete it. If that's you this morning, you know, maybe, maybe so here's the thing. I think all of us have a next step out of that. I think wherever you find yourself, maybe you've reached one dream and now God's creating a new one inside of you. Maybe you've gotten to a place where you think you should be satisfied and you're not and you're wondering why. Maybe you're not in a relationship with God and maybe something inside of you is whispering, this is it, this is it, this is the reason. Or maybe you're in a relationship with God and you're still feeling like something's missing and you're like, but what about me? I gave my life to Jesus. I was baptized. What am I supposed to do now? I think the answer is you got to move it one step Closer. Number three is this, pursue closeness with God. See, I think wherever we are, we've got to start taking some next steps. And so if, if for you, the answer this morning is that you haven't had a relationship with Jesus and you felt it all, you, you've, been, you've been in the whole, the whole place, you felt insignificant and, and you felt like there was more and you felt like there's this longing inside of you that you can't answer and you've not had a relationship with God, the answer is a relationship with God. I'm going to tell you in just a minute how you can start that. But maybe if you're in a relationship with God and you're feeling these things, the answer is to increase your proximity with God, to move closer, to never be satisfied, never let it be enough. Never, never let your relationship with him be enough for you. Always be pursuing deeper closeness with God, even in prison. Joseph was allowing the spirit to increase within him. So no matter where you find yourself, what waiting seasons you're in, no, no matter how, how successful you think you are, keep pushing in on your closeness with God. Pursue him. Get to know him more. Wherever you're at, get a step closer. You know, I'm learning. A lot of times I think we have these checklists as Christians. 
And we have these checklists and we think, you know, it, it's fine. I, I, I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do. I've got my, 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 my Bible reading plan. I get daily breads in the mail and I still read those. If you still get those, the, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you've been in church your entire life, right? Daily breads. At some point you got put on a mailing list and they won't stop sending you these little flyers. They're great though. Maybe it's daily breads. Maybe you got the Bible app. And, and you're checking all the boxes, you're staying on your plan, you're picking it, you're reading it every day. Maybe for you, 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 you you're, you're, you're doing your 15 minutes of prayer every day and you've got soap written down in your journal, scripture, observation, application, prayer, and you're just doing it. You're just doing it and yet you still feel like it's not enough. Like you feel like, I, I, don't, I don't understand, Pastor. Like, I get it, like I'm trying to grow. I'm doing my checklist, but things aren't increasing. Like I'm not, like I'm still on the dream team and like uh, I, I took the assessments, I went through growth track and it said I should be serving coffee and I'm serving coffee and I don't know, I don't feel anything out of it. And, and I'm wondering what's going on. And I would just encourage you not to do a checklist, but to pursue closeness with God. It's not about a checklist. It's about just always moving a little bit closer. So when I'm learning, one of the things, I'm a checklist guy. If you've been here, you've learned, like every message has at least two lists in it, right? Because I love lists. Lists are important organize your life. And I'm that way in my marriage and I'm learning in my marriage, it's got to be more than the checklist. Like I've got a, I've got a checklist of, of date nights and, and, and our, our flow for date nights and communication. But even if I'm hitting all that checklist, it's still not enough. Like I need to pursue my wife, pursue relationship with her. In the moments that weren't on the checklist, I need to have her on my mind and let her know she was on my mind. It's the text message while I'm at work. It's it's stopping her from whatever cleaning. My wife loves to clean. The, the house will never, ever be clean enough. It will, does not matter if all germs are eradicated from the universe. She will still be cleaning. A, and it's stopping her in that moment and just saying, let me do this for you. Why don't you go have a break? And then she's like, no, you won't do it good enough. And she keeps going. LAUGHTER <laughs> but it makes her feel valued. You know, I'm just, I, I, all I'm trying to tell you is that what I'm learning is it's not about the checklist, it's about the pursuit. It's not about the checklist, it's about just always trying to do more to get a little bit closer. And just in your relationship with God, I would just encourage you to, to do more than the checklist. Just try to get a little bit closer. Like, listen, the whole point of this message, if you zoned out for most of it, let me summarize it. The most important thing in your life is your relationship with God. The only thing that's going to bring you satisfaction in this life is your relationship with God. The only thing that's going to bring you the peace you have been broken for is your closeness to God. The power of His Spirit inside of you is the only thing that can heal you. It's the only thing that will make you feel whole. It's it. That's it. That's all there is. And so if you just want to feel like you're getting somewhere, just put all your focus on pursuing your closeness with God, wherever you are, get closer. However much you talk to him, talk to him more. Increase your prayer times. Learn how to speak from your heart to him. Learn how to listen. Learn how to study his scripture more. Learn how to worship. Worship just means turning your focus and your attention towards the one who made you. That's what worship means. And song is a great way to do that. But also learn new ways to do it. Learn how to do it when you're driving. Learn what ways make you feel connected with God. Is it hiking? Is it swimming? Is it working? Whatever it is, do more of it. Get closer to it. It's not your position in life that will give you satisfaction. It's your proximity to Jesus.
get closer to Him. As we close this series, maybe you, you've been in the process. You know, maybe you've been, maybe you've been through it. Maybe, maybe you, you, you had to question whether or not the ingredients really were there. And, and you're feeling like, yeah, it's here. God put something inside of me. And maybe you learned that the hard times you go through, they can help prepare you for that. They can push you forward. They can strip away things in, in your personality, in your wiring that you didn't need. They can strip you away and, and make you better. Maybe you're learning how to, how to work hard, that, that you got to earn it, you know, that you really got to earn it, whatever it is. And you're learning how to develop yourself and all of that. And that's all good. Keep pushing in. But my hope is that above all of it, you'll learn that the Spirit of God is the most important part of the process. And that no matter where you are along the way, that if you're, even if you're still in the milling, maybe you're, because that season can last a long time. Maybe you're in that season where you're still being crushed. I would just encourage you to pursue your closeness with God. Let the Spirit of God use you right now in this season. Maybe you're just on the other side of it. Let the Spirit of God use you for someone who's still there. You can live in your purpose today. I think you can develop and grow and, and reach your potential in your purpose, but I think you can serve in your purpose this afternoon when you leave here. Just, just press in. Lean into it. Let God use you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for the way you've shaped us and the way you've changed us, God. I thank you for putting this potential inside of us, God, for giving us so, so many gifts. You created everyone so unique. And you know every part of us, God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, God. I, I know that you, your works are powerful within me, God. How well I know it, Lord. I thank you for making me the way that you've made me, God. But God, I just ask that you would grow your spirit inside of me. That when people look at me, they wouldn't see me and the gifts I was born with. But God, they would see you and the power of your spirit inside of me. God, that's my prayer for us this morning. Lord, I lift up the person to you that came in here today and doesn't know you yet. Doesn't have the relationship with you yet. That has been spending their life in pursuit of what this world can offer. And they're just starting to taste the goodness that only you can offer. Call them to yourself. Right now, Father, let your spirit press in on them. Whisper, whisper your love to them, Father. Let your pursuit surround them, God. Put a dream in their heart and call them to it this morning, Father. We worship you and we praise your name. Be glorified in everything we do, in every season we're in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.